Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Innovation Crush. I'm your gracious host, Chris Denson. Um, in case you're tuning in for the first time ever, uh, this show covers all things marketing, innovation, ideas, uh, things to inspire you, hopefully, and the stories behind the things that inspire you. Um, and today, I have a really awesome guest by the name of Peter Marks. Say hello, Peter Marks. Hello. I'm your gracious guest. Oh, you Are you gracious? No. I, I hope to be. That's great. All right. Well, we'll wait till we get into it first, then you'll then, uh, size up your experience. So um, I guess for starters, just give us the 101 on uh, who Peter Marks is. Well, I'm here in my role as the Chief Innovation and Technology Officer for the City of Los Angeles, working for Mayor Eric Garcetti. And uh, it's a bit of a... Um, it's a bit of a valuable title in that it has four ten dollar words in it, but in a in nice. essence, you know, it's if you forty dollar title, it's a forty dollar title. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's a it's a uh, a large title to encompass a relatively large role for a very large and important city, looking at how we use technology and innovation and a lot of good thinking by an awful lot of people from around the world to make a better city. That's awesome. Um, how, you know, how, well, actually, I noticed that you're the first chief innovation officer in the city of Los Angeles. Is that true? Well, you know, in the spirit of open data, um, I can't actually factually say that's true, but I have yet to run into anybody who has claimed to have had that title before. It was interesting. So there's a hologram somewhere who may have kind of, you know, acted in cold together, like the Borg. You- <laughs> Uh, so, so what is so, you know, I guess you've been at the job eight months. How's it been going so far? It's fascinating. Yeah. What was, uh, so what, I don't know, what, like what, walk us through day one to now, you know, um, oh, you got a new regime in the city. You've got this new, very concentrated effort, I would imagine, from an innovation standpoint. Um, you know, what, how, how have you gone about setting goals for, you know, what you need to achieve? Uh, let's start there. And <laughs> so let's, let's unpack that. Because yeah, I think exactly. that's, that's a, a fairly complicated set it's of questions very, right yes. there. But, you know, um, the way I look at it is the following, which is that when I started, I had absolutely no experience working inside of a government. Um, this is a first. I've only been in the private world before this. Although I have taught at big public universities. Right. And, and things like that, but I've never worked uh, inside of a government or a big uh, public entity like the city government of Los Angeles. And so for me, there's been this both this professional journey, which is figuring out how things work and who does what and who can make a decision and, and all that influence, if you will. And then the second side is that I've also been having this personal journey, which is at the same time, I even though I had been born here, raised here, schooled here, got all my jobs here, got married here. Um, we moved back to Los Angeles. I moved back from having been in, in San Diego and La Jolla working for Qualcomm, and I moved back to Los Angeles, and I'm experiencing the city in a completely different way. How long, how, how long of a hiatus did you have away from the city? Uh, we, were, we were south of here for three and a half years. Okay. So right. um, obviously back here continuously. I, I have family and friends and history here. Um, but... You know, just to touch on the personal side, for example, I I routinely, not today for reasons that everybody can see, I routinely ride my bike to the subway. I take the subway downtown, and then I walk across Grand Park into City Hall. That journey 
wasn't possible when I was growing up. And and we're blaming innovation for for those advances in a, in a way, yeah. right? Um, and so you know you've you touched on something that's really interesting in terms of uh, this is your this is a first for you, right? Mm-hmm. And there's I feel like that gives you a really different perspective on you know not business as usual. Uh, you you mentioned Qualcomm. Uh, when I look, I see gaming and medical. Like you've been sort of all over the place, and I feel like real innovators, right, can walk into a scenario and bring fresh thinking into it because you enjoy the process of problem solving. Um, I think that's very fair. So, so how do uh, what sort of fresh eyes do you bring that you know sort of a uh, uh, naivete to your advantage to the city? Well, I'm still in the position where I can walk into a room of people. And I can ask the basic questions that nobody else is willing to ask. Like, why are we doing this? Um, Can we do it different? Uh, Can we do it differently, if you want to be correct in your English? And uh, and, and those sort of questions are only the sort of ones that um, people who are new to a scene get to do. And then I also find that I have a lot of colleagues around the city, both inside the government and in other agencies and outside the government, we're basically looking for somebody to bless what they were already thinking. Right. And so in in large part, I'm almost, I feel a little bit like I'm the person who says, yes, you can do that intelligent, that rational, that reasonable, that, that smart, innovative thing that you're already thinking about doing. Right. The only reason why you haven't done it maybe is because it might be a little different than what you were doing last week. Uh, and I would imagine with that same sort of license to activate your creativity, or, mm-hmm. uh, also comes a little bit of hesitancy <laughs> and oh, yeah. from others. Like this guy, this mobile guy doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the city, right? Like, how do you overcome that aspect of the the job when you're in the rooms, or you know? Just- well, I usually tell people. Uh, in fact, this morning I was in a meeting and I, I pointed out that I had absolutely no experience in changing a government. So. <laughs> Tell them up front. I don't have that experience. I don't think anybody. I think the government usually just kind of stays the same. Like there, wow. There's certain tenets of it that, that change, but over time it's like, yeah, this is the same problem we experienced years ago. But, uh, but there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of familiarity to problems. I mean, look, we're talking about groups of people, organizations of people who are trying to do things. In the, in the case of a big city government, a really, really, really big city government, is trying to deliver a whole bunch of services. And if you think about that, it's suddenly services, well, that suddenly actually has a lot of similarity to, oh, I pick anything else. Uh, why don't we pick an online video game? Right. It's a service. Why don't we pick a, um, you know, a search engine? That's a service. Why don't we pick a, um, a transportation app that allows you to get a vehicle called to your location within a couple minutes? Oh, that's a service too. And suddenly the government doesn't look that much different and right. what it's trying to do than a lot of other folks are doing uh, all over the place. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, it, it's, you know, I'm similarly, um, maybe not to the same degree as you, but I, I've worked in a lot of different verticals, right? And, and, and it is that same thing. It's how are we going to solve this issue, right, in a creative way? That's right. uh, and that's, you know, and all I need are a few of the principles that you're abiding by. But then, you know, what are some of the rules that you see that are the same? Like, no matter where you go, like, uh, you know. Well, um, so I, I, you mentioned video gaming. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> when I when I worked um, for Electronic Arts, I worked for them um, 
roughly 96 until 2000, did a whole bunch of video games. And I worked with really great people on products like uh, Madden Football, you know, NCAA College Hoops, uh, Knockout Kings, which became Fight Night, and things like that. And, but the, here's the strange thing about it. Those were all packaged goods, right? They were all, at the end of the day, they were all put onto a disc or a cartridge. They were put into a box. They were wrapped in plastic. They were delivered you know, via freight to a store, and they were sold to somebody who we never met. Right. And we might include a registration card saying, hey, if you want more information. You know, call fill, Peter. Well, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> I think actually the default was always call Chris. <laughs> um, no wonder. Yeah, exactly. But, but here's the thing. The transition at that point, though, was from packaged goods, you know, sort of fire and forget, if you will, to suddenly it had to become a service. We started doing a lot of online stuff because if you remember, we launched EA.com at that time. And we took NASCAR and Knockout Kings, two games that we had done, and we actually put them up online. And we had to transition from them being well, essentially products that we finished, right? We, we, we developed, we alpha tested, we beta tested, we gold mastered, we right. released to manufacturing, and then we took a vacation to becoming something that we had to live with. And people would be knocking on the door saying, you know, uh, we need you to participate or do something, right? Right. And, and Electronic Arts was actually um, sued because they did an online game called Ultima Online oh, yeah. from Origin. And somebody, some enterprising guy down in San Diego realized that we had promised 24-hour-a-day service, seven days a week, yet for a few hours a week, we took down the servers for maintenance. <laughs> and he filed a suit wow. against us saying that we had violated our license agreement. It ended up, as I recall, becoming a donation to a charity. Um, oh, that was nice. Yeah, but there was sort of a two, <laughs> twofold thing, which yeah. was that uh, we, uh, you know, I think the company sort of reacted in two different ways, which was one was, wow, um, we took down the servers in the middle of the night and somebody really wanted to play, and sort of the human reaction might be um, get some sleep. Um, and right. then the, the secondary reaction was, wow, we're running a service. And people are actually depending upon that availability right. of that service. And so um, you can see in the city government we have very much the same idea. Online becomes 24 hours a day, for example. Yeah. So. And, and you know, over time, right, like, you know, for instance, if we're sticking in the, in the video game mode for, for a second, you've been an adjunct professor for 11 years now? Something like that. Um, and, you know, when you start teaching these ecosystems of product development and service and, you know, creativity and marketing and, like, building ecosystems around a thing, right. you know, um, how, I, when you tell that story, it's almost like that's changed. Like, we're always on, I feel like. We're, you know, now. Mm -hmm. Where you like you said you used to be able to make the thing, take a break, and then come back and think about the next one. Basically, <laughs> right. right. But now it's like these are there's these constant cycles of iteration, and you have to be yeah um, you, you have to be in the face of the the customer uh, in in a really good way, obviously, or in a customer service standpoint. Well, I think the um, you know it's suddenly everything has both become more mass and also more personal simultaneously right so you have this um, you, you used to be that um, you would go to a website and the website would just sort of be one size fits all I'm just using the web as an sure. example um, now we expect web to become much more personalized to your needs right um, 
I, I am who I am, and I would like to have the experience that I would like to have. When I go to Amazon's website, I expect them to tell me more relevant things to me. And that becomes true of everything. There are a lot of services, city services, that are really not relevant to me. Right. Some are extremely relevant to me. Like I want to know where the traffic is. Or I want to find parking <laughs> it's space. It's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I'll answer that one for you. But, but, we, know it, but we know it isn't. That's, <laughs> we, exactly. That's the funny thing about it. Well, trust me. I, I commute from the Miracle Mile area to Playa Vista most days. In yep. fact. I used to do that. And, and, yeah. see, and like... I found my little route in the last about the last week. It was, everybody else must have been following me because now I'm like, okay, I have to I have to reroute myself. But I feel like that's that's what we do, right? We we are constantly rerouting and finding new ways. I read a Leonard Cohen quote recently, which yeah. was like, you know, there's a crack, there's a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets in. Well, I mean, I um, I, I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> I think that, but one of the things that I think that um, I'm grappling with is is that. Uh, in the private world, it's perfectly permissible about, to talk about marketing of something. Right. right? Um, there may be belief, like I've met many people in the tech world who say, oh, we don't have to market it. They'll find us. I'm not sure how, but that's okay. Um, you know, and there's a lot of good work that's gone unnoticed. And in the government world, um, marketing is not a term that people use. Right. Um, what is the term? Oh, <laughs> Lobbying? No, <laughs> public information, communications. And, 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 and I think that's, the, I mean, one of, the, one of my personal philosophies is always like, you, yeah. we're all marketing something, right? We all want, we're hoping that consumers can support our effort. That's right. And whatever it is, or you walk into a job interview, you're marketing yourself, you're not, you know, so there's, there's different layers or, diff, you know, it exists under different veils. Right. But, um, but at the end of the day, like a, a guest that we had on the show was Dan Goods, um, who's NASA's visual strategist. So he turns all their, art, you know, scientific art concepts into art right. exhibitions. Um, NASA is very good at marketing. Exactly. But, he, you know, he doesn't see himself as a marketer. Yep. He's an artist, right? But it's but at the end of the day, if, if I'm a consumer and I go to this really crazy art exhibit, mm-hmm. guess who I'm going to support next time? I'm like, oh, where are my tax dollars going? Like, oh, okay, I get it. That's where Saturn is. That's right, because it became relevant, right. personal to you. Right. Totally great. Um, you touched on something else where, you, I mean, you... The innovation, right? I think a lot of times people make the mistake of synonymizing. I'm going to make up a word. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a word? No? Okay. Um, says says Maria. Uh, I'm going to use it anyway. So, uh, no, making technology synonymous with innovation, sure. right? Which I don't know if you personally agree with that, but, you know, I feel like it's all about systems and the whole ecosystem of how things happen. Well, so I, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about the words technology and innovation recently, and I think that they're vastly overused. Um, just my own personal feeling about it is, is that, you know, we we tend to think of technology and innovation as being like something special, right? Like it's, you know, it's like a, I don't know, some island slightly off the coast where it's always sunny and wonderful, right? Um, but the reality is, is that we're all using technology every single day. Right? Right. We're using technology right now as we speak into the microphones and talk to people, you know, on the other side, if you will. Um, we're innovating, you know, on a regular basis. All innovation really means is smart change, right? And so it shouldn't be a separate thing. It should be something integral to what we do. Right. Um, that's the way I feel about it. it. It used to be that there used to be the sort of belief that there was somehow a separate group that should handle technology. 
Well, I, I, I don't know. I defy. I, I, I could reach across the table and ask you for your smartphone and say, hey, can I keep your smartphone, Chris? There's a lot of questionable photos and things on there. I don't no, know if I, you want to. I'm not going to look at it. I'm just okay. Gonna, oh, shoot. Oh, I'm just going <laughs> to hold on to it because right. I want to separate you from your technology. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you'd probably fight me on it. But no, people will freak out. I mean, there was there was there've been studies done where like, would you rather not eat or not have your phone? Like, you know, and people choose their their device. Right. Um, I'm actually going to a conference in Montana of all places, and two, uh, yeah, two of the four days that would be there are like technology free, and I'm like. Yeah. Um, like, and you're anticipating this, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like cold shakes at night. Like, oh, no. Um, it, 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 and I'm, I, you know, I, I think I try to be a, l- a little bit conscious. Like I have a nine-year-old and I go, all yeah. right, you can use this for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, no, whatever the thing is. If it's uh, an iPad or yeah, can I play a game on your phone? It's like yeah. limited because, you know, I, it bugs me sometimes when I wake up and I grab my phone first. Right? right. I'm like, what am I doing? I have a 10-year-old. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you, you know, what kind of pressures are there in the civic world to succeed versus, you know, an EA or Qualcomm, right? Everybody has a bottom line, but, you know, from a civic standpoint, the stakes are different. The, the stakes are different. Um, and, and remember that my experience in the civic world personally is slightly different than I think a lot of other people's right. in that I'm self-motivated. I'm, I'm here very specifically to work for a great mayor and to do positive good things during my tenure. That's it, right? I I work for a great guy, I work for a great team, I'm trying to do good positive things, that's my motivation. And you'll notice that I haven't mentioned paycheck and I haven't mentioned, you know, working to the next vacation or something like that. Um, I'm literally- You did say $40 though, so I don't know if you get paid by your title. I think I might have paid for that, but, <laughs> but the uh, but no. But seriously, the my 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 personal motivation is is that I would like to see my city become a better place. Right? Yeah. Simple as that. Full stop. I think a lot of other motivations within the civic world are are to deliver good customer service, but there there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of sort of checks and balances around things. Um, you know, people are motivated personally. People have professional motivations about whether they're going to get a raise or whether they're going to you know, get a promotion because of something or whatever. And that's all very process right. within, within the government world. In the private world, my, my experience in the private world for the last 20 years or so has been that it's a, it's a, a little bit more free-flowing. Right? Uh, people move around their career, especially in California, especially in tech, right. uh, with a lot more freedom. You know, they they move laterally, they move sideways, sometimes they move backwards, sometimes they go back in order to do something more. Um, yeah. You know, I see a lot of that. Whereas in the in the civic world, people tend to be in their role and they develop within their role. That's interesting. And, you know, with that, like, I feel like, you know, L.A. being such a creative city, always evolving, you know, always the next thing is coming, you know, the what you say on the civic side is almost not that at all, <laughs> right? right. Um, you know, when I first, when I left college, I, uh, my, one of my first jobs was at Chrysler, and you know there were engineers who were there fifteen twenty years, 
kind of working on the same thing. You know, they may have gotten a promotion or a raise, but it's like, oh, how do we get these transfer plates, you know, from A to B? You know, like, you haven't figured this out yet? You've been making cars <laughs> for, you know, God knows how long. Um, how do you stay fresh in an environment like that? I know, you, you, you know, you're fairly new, but like you're the, you're the cool guy that gets to do all, you know, kind of think about things differently. And there, yes, there's resistance, but how do you stay fresh and not kind of succumb to the business as usual? Well, I, I've, I'm very uh, self-referential, if you will. I, I know exactly, and I try to remind myself exactly why I'm here. E- even if I run into things that are sort of, um, you know, can sometimes be pretty challenging, right? Um, you know, I tend to work, I, you know, I tend to take my own off time, if you will, but I tend to, um, you know, I do emails all times of the day and night. Yeah. I will go do whatever it is that I'm going to go do. I'm surprised you're not wearing a suit. When I, you know, when the city comes to to Innovation Crush, I, I you know, you look great. Well, I just yeah. when you walk, I was like, oh, yeah, but you can explain why I'm not wearing a suit today. <laughs> well, you have a, you have a sling, you, a sling and a suit go together. That's a cool watch, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, but no, the the what happened? First of all, is it was this part of the bike and, and subway scenario? I was uh, I was ten miles into a fifty mile ride, and uh, it ended badly. And, nice. uh, and and short, and short, and uh, in fact, I can't quite remember the exact end because it involved a couple broken bones and some other stuff. Oh, so this must have happened a while. You're you're on the upswing. This happened last uh, Saturday. Oh, you're, you're like a, you're like a superhero. You should, you How should you, follow you, me on Twitter. You're like Wolverine. I did. I did. I followed you right before you walked in, and I was yeah, like, wait, right. this guy's not wearing a suit. And then I, I unfollowed. Yeah, um, uh, but I'll follow you back. Don't normally, worry. I wear a suit, but I I haven't figured out how to put on a tie with only one hand. Mm, clip on. Uh, mm. See, you see, I mean, that's how it happens. <laughs> you just, just make it up as you go along. I think that's the definition of innovation. You just just make it up when you get there. Hey, hey. <laughs> Participatory, <laughs> exactly. You ask questions. You're like, hmm, yeah, let's do that. Um, so when you look at a city, right? And you got re- and cities have real problems. Yeah. I'm a Detroiter. Um, I don't know if you know the Batmobile was stolen in Detroit recently. Oh. <laughs> Dead serious. Oh. All right. oh. <laughs> no. Am I, am I right, Maria? I, you looked it up. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like, it's like Detroit done stole the Batmobile. Oh. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, you look, <laughs> you look at scenarios like that and, like, crime happens, poverty happens, like all these serious issues that happen yes. in a, you know, in a city, especially a city like L.A., um, you know, does innovation step in in some way to alleviate some of those problems? And if so, how? That is very much our goal. Um, if you think about, if you go back to where Mayor Garcetti, you know, is really focused on, he's focused on things like a safer city. Yep. You know, it's really a back to basics approach. You know, a safer city, a more livable city. You know, all these, all these, uh, you know, sort of basic sayings, if you will, right. in order to drive basic outcomes. Um, and so, I, I can use many examples. Why don't we use crime as an example? So, crime in the city of L.A is down to where it was in the early 1950s, maybe the late 1940s. It's pre-gang. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's certainly pre, uh, pre-smartphone. It's very, very, it's very. <laughs> um, but, but if you look at how that happened, it happened through, and I'm not an expert on public safety or, or policing or anything like that, but my guess is, is that there was a lot of innovation done. You know, there was a lot of work done around how do you take the LAPD which was under a court order, right? It was under court supervision. 
and turn it into this much more, you know, very effective police force. Um, and, and the way it worked was, you know, I think that they looked at themselves, they innovated on, on their presence on the street, they innovated in their use of data, they innovated in their, you know, in, in so many different elements sure. of strategy and tactics and everything else. And, and they took that, um, you know, sort of manifestly uh, bad situation, that sort of low moment in, in city history when they're under court supervision and turned it into how do we actually reconstruct how we do policing. Right. And um, there's, there's work to be done everywhere, but it's a good example. And we have a lot of challenges around the city of L.A. Sure. We have, um, you know, we're, we're faced with technological change everywhere, certainly. But in addition, we have a lot of basic challenges, you know, around the economy or around, you know, how do we, uh, what do we do with homeless? How do mm -hmm. we deal with traffic? How do we deal with so many of these different issues? And in order for us to overcome those, we're going to have to be quite innovative. And my guess is a lot of this, a lot of this, but not all of it, is going to require a very good use of technology. Um, there was an example I read recently. I think it was a police force in Spain or Argentina, a, a Latin community somewhere, not LA. Um, but the police were mainly operating via social media. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the, I can believe it. And so uh, are there other examples of cities that you look to, you know, for inspiration where you go, oh, here's, you know, what this city X is doing. And um, I think there's a, the, I mean, there's, you know, I hadn't really thought of cities as being um, individually innovators. But it, what I've come to realize over the last few months is that a lot of cities have special strengths, right, where they've done something really interesting that we can learn from, you know, whether it's... Um, Hong Kong has a has a um, a system by which you can get onto any transportation all with the same card. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. You know, right now we use different systems to pay for parking versus riding on the bus or the subway. Okay, cool. Um, if you look at what New York did uh, and Baltimore did with policing, well, we certainly riffed on that one a mm -hmm. lot. That drove a lot of how we think about things. What was that? What was the? Uh, well, what they did was is that they used. Um, they, they were very, very data-driven. Um, I try to stay away from the police as, no, as no, often we, as possible, so that's, think, that's why I'm not we, familiar. I think we all do. <laughs> but what they, you know, I'll give you an example. So the uh, LAPD, um, you know, worked with UCLA to do something called uh, predictive policing, which is that they literally look and they try to figure out within a 500-foot on a side box, um, where is the best place to put a police presence? You know, either officers on foot or in a vehicle or whatever, not to arrest people, but to actually deter people from causing crime. Right. And so um, it's protective policing. It's almost out of minority report, if you will. Yeah. But it's very data-driven, and, and officers are essentially drive through the box, right? They spend time within that box, so that 500-foot on the side box. And um, there's been shows on the BBC and other places that talk about it. And it's not unique to LA, but it's a great example, if you will, of using technology and innovation to drive down uh, crime and not necessarily arresting more people or even having more crimes done. It actually deters crime. Um, you know, another example, uh, Minneapolis and Seattle and Boston are really good on, and San Francisco are really good on open data. They publish a tremendous amount of open data. Wow. We're, I, I learned today that we're actually sixth in the country. We went from you know, 200th to sixth wow. based upon what we're doing with open data. We, we publish 
data sets on almost everything, including all the crime, all the traffic collision reports, um, all of our budget, you know, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. It's all available for free up on data.lacity.org. And, and people can use that for their own purposes, but we can also use it inside the city government to actually manage the government better. Um, you know, uh, another example, uh, LA is very good, even though we have a lot of traffic, we actually have the largest municipal traffic management system. Really? All 4,470 stoplights are actually wired to a computer and they report their traffic and they, they can change their timing once a second. Is, and, is, and, a, is a lot of this, you know, I've, maybe I've seen too many movies, yep. right? But, but it, you which know. Which hopefully made here. But yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, which are hopefully made and they're contributing to your $40 title. Uh, um, but no, it's like if the wrong people get the, you know, get that information or they the wrong people manipulate that information. Sure. Um, where, okay, I, if we know there's smart policing, then uh, like there's always going to be the anti version of that. Um, is there, you know, do you see any danger in some of the some of the, the things that have been implemented uh, or downside at all? Oh, well, you know, I think there's there's a real tension and, and we see it everywhere. There's a front page on The New York Times today about privacy with the recent product introductions from Apple. Uh, and so privacy and security, um, you know, availability, all these things are big issues that we're grappling with. Right. And, and the, um, the trade-off of being more reliant upon communications networks and computers and so on is, is that you're also more reliant upon, well, frankly, having good cybersecurity and resiliency. Um, you know, uh, over, you know, more reliance upon you know, a smartphone means that we're also trusting our smartphone to carry around more personal information. Um, yeah. And I think that we're, you know, it's not a solved problem. It's just something that we're in the midst of all trying to figure out. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's one of those things is always kind of like, it's a catch-22 to have every, yeah. like, you know, I have two phones, and I'm like, ooh, if, <laughs> like, you know, so your, your life's there. And, and you know, I, I had an incident recently where I got a call from the bank, and it was like, did you try to take money out of an ATM? And I'm like, nope. Right. Um, and I have no idea, and they can't give me a decent answer. And, I, and I, I wasn't a victim of, like, you know, identity theft, but I was close, you know. But 10 years ago, they wouldn't have even <clears throat> called you. You know, in a weird right. way, uh, you're also, like, I... I, I got an alert uh, the other day, sort of along the same lines, that somebody tried to open up a credit account on me. What? Yeah. wasn't me, man. No, I, no, I, no. I was here. No, no. I, oh. <laughs> By the way, well, never mind. I'm not going to follow you down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's, uh, but but it's, a, it's a interesting, you know, to me it's really interesting because we're much more connected. Right. I get an alert from um, my credit card every time a transaction over, you know, over a certain amount happens, right? Right. Uh, great, you know. Um, the, these are things that never happened before. Uh, so you grew up in L.A. Yep. So I, I would take that means you care about your job. You weren't a guy that was flown in from, nope. you know, Timbuktu. Um, what is, you know, what is your personal passion about L.A.? And whether you just be from the job or just in general, like in your day-to-day life, you know what? What push? What, what drives many. you? Yeah. What drive? Well, many. I mean, um, you know, you mentioned uh, problem solving. So I I always sort of look at it and say, what problems can we solve? 
Um, and I think there's a bunch that we can work against and do good stuff on. And that's what's driving me in this job. Um, I feel like I have a seat, you know, a front row seat, maybe even participation in a lot of stuff, which will manifestly make a better city. Um, you know, traffic, for example. What can we use? What kind of data and what kind of APIs and what kind of services can we use to go and drive, you know, um, less traffic and, frankly, better movement around the city? Right. Simple example. You know, another example is how do we address the digital divide? Um, L.A. is second from the bottom in the state in terms of access to and participation on the Internet, which is crazy yeah. you know, from my perspective because the Internet started um, at three places, one of them being UCLA, right? <laughs> right. University of California at Los Angeles. And so for us not to be leading on the Internet um, is a little crazy-making for me, so we have to address the digital divide. Yeah, uh, you know, and and there are lots and lots of examples of that sort of no, stuff. Even at, uh, at which I think is a great example of you know, a lot of firsts don't remain the, mm-hmm. the only, <laughs> and you know somebody comes along and does a better job. I worked for a very large YouTube network, and I've been. They were, you know, number three, and you know they were entertainment based, but uh, but it was behind like. Vivo and Universal and then this entertainment platform. Um, All original content and programming and and things like that. And I I felt like because they were first, there was a little bit of cockiness like we got it all figured out. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, is is that something, even in that example you just brought up with the, you know, the internet and UCLA, uh, is that a hurdle that you, you know, something that you watch out for or something that you, you know, are paying attention to? I think that, um, no question, you know, a lot of people sort of say, I mean, let's go back to the video game world, you know, um, a lot of people say, oh, hey, we did it, we accomplished it, we shipped it, we're done. (laughs) Let's take a nap. Let's take a nap, right? And so, um, you know, Time Warner did a project called The Palace a long time ago. Um, and before that, there were multi-user dungeons and online you know, boards and everything else, right? But they created this thing called The Palace, a virtual world. And they thought, you know, this is cool. It was cool. Right. Um, and then somebody came along a little bit later, and then they created something else. And then they came along and did something else. And then MySpace came along. Yep. And MySpace, MySpace was this moment which you know, was, wow, you know, yeah. look at all the people in MySpace. MySpace is like a, you know, reasonable small community now on Facebook. Right. You know, how many people use Twitter every day? Um, Who knows? Quite a few. You know, it's not about being first. It's actually about, you know, being first just means, in in essence, I think for a lot of folks these days, is that they almost have to run harder because their expectations have gotten so high. And be smarter. You know, you have to be, now being first, you have to be super smart. I was meeting with some guys today, and it was just kind of like, they're developing a product and they know the 20 different directions it could go, you know, yeah. sort of all under the same umbrella, you know, not disjointed or anything. But, hey, you've got to start somewhere and you've got to plan for the future and you've got to, you know, maneuver based on, like, who's catching up to you. Um, now, the benefit for where we are right now, though, just sitting in the city is, is that we don't have to be first. We just always have to get better. Right. You know, um, there is no other city of L.A., we're here, right? True. This is our city. So how are we going to take the all the smart, good work that's happening everywhere and apply it to our own city? That that's where I think, um, you know, that's that's really the interesting thing from my perspective. When I, 
was at Qualcomm, it was always about how do you move the needle for a $130 billion company? Okay, that's pretty hard, right? <laughs> $130 billion and $2. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you have to start a business or do something. And, and I, I feel like I was very successful there. At the city, it's actually now saying, okay, look, there's a whole bunch of smart people all over the world. How do we take a, a pinch of this, a dash of that, something good over there, an interesting idea from this place over there, and how do we apply it to our own city right. to raise the city? Uh, even along those lines of, you know, just sort of more smart thinkers popping up, you know, mm-hmm. before you uh, t- took your seat, not in here and at work, um, there was no Silicon Beach. That's right. Um, how and is the, you know, what is that relationship like? You know, how does the city of L.A. look at Silicon Beach as a budding group of, you know, thinkers so, and doers? Well, you know, it's funny. There's debates about actually just even the term Silicon Beach. Um, I mean, so it's funny. I, I did a startup in Santa Monica a long time. I prefer time. Silicon Beach, by the way. Just, yeah, well, that's... That would be whole other area. Yeah, I'm not going to follow you down that. Road. <laughs> <laughs> you won't go down any rabbit holes with me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> You've had good PR training. I, I like it. No, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. Silicon Silicon Beach. <laughs> Full stop. Okay, let's start up. Um, no, but I think the the thing about Silicon Beach is that obviously it's great. Um, not quite sure where the boundaries are, but we know that one one side of it is attached to the beach, right? But there's a really good startup community in downtown Los Angeles. True. Who knew? Right. There's another interesting startup community that's happening out in Pasadena, and, you know, and frankly, it predates yep. Silicon Beach, right? And then, and then there's other folks all over the Southland who are doing interesting things. And so we don't quite have the right term. You know, we've been using the term Tech LA, mm-hmm. um, you know, to sort of incorporate everything. But Silicon Beach, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when Maker Studios was acquired by Disney. Uh, I got a uh, a message from one of the principals at Maker asking if the mayor could send out a tweet. Okay, that seemed reasonable. And, but just think about this: I, I got a I got a message from a friend over one medium asking if we could respond in a different medium. Right. Okay, kind of cool. And so the the. You know, we talked to the mayor. The mayor agreed to do it, and um, we sent out a tweet saying, "Congratulations to uh, you know Maker Studios on being on the acquisition." And uh, he added the hashtag Silicon Beach. And about 14 seconds later, I got an email from somebody else. <laughs> oh no! Saying very disappointed. Right. I'm like, why? Well, he turned out to be unhappy about the term Silicon Beach. Because he really wanted to make it about the greater Los Angeles, and so it, that that's where the debate is. Right. You know, now I'm I'm pretty all inclusive. I, I sort of look at it as great. This is great. Let's do more. And oh, by the way, maybe we can use this example and apply it over here. And right. What can we learn? And competition is good. Well, but I think when you think about it from a global perspective, right? Silicon Beach makes it like the, the world knew where Silicon Valley was, right? Yeah. And and when the world thinks of LA, they do think beach. I don't think they right. think Pasadena, right? Like it's it, it, I, I feel like correct me if I'm wrong, but if we kind of got outside of our, you know, territorial um uh, just small regions and right. like the collective like Tech LA makes sense, but also just I mean I feel like yeah, Silicon Beach draws attention, you know, globally. But but let me try one on you. 
which is that isn't Los Angeles really the city of the future? Why can't we make L.A., you know, literally Los Angeles, you know, have a great deal of meaning? Innovation, creativity, you know, sunshine, good things. Hollywood. Hollywood, you know, uh, technology. You know, how do we how do we take the brand of Los Angeles, which, by the way, the Guardian of all things, uh, you know, pointed out earlier this year that L.A. is the strongest brand of any city in the world. Better than London, better than New York. Great brand. Let's add these attributes to that great brand. No wonder my rent so, is so high. Yeah, that's a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, and, uh, no that's, I mean, that's a great point. It is kind of like this uh, collective um, of, of innovation. And also, I mean, really speaking to L.A., um, I've had some conversations re- recently with like LACMA and their, their art and technology lab. Um, uh, and, you know, I start looking at these combinations of creativity and technology. And I think L.A. has a very unique perspective in how we leverage technology, you know, um, as creators, you know, maybe not from specifically from a civic standpoint, but at least from an, you know, and a creative standpoint. So is there like, um, you know, I don't know what your views are on that effort, you know, in in terms of how. How the how those two communities are combined and creating really new and interesting ways of thinking and looking at the world. Well, I mean, I guess the, the way I look at it is the following, which is that um, you know uh, what what you know LACMA is doing is really interesting. For example, they're using beacons to go and give really personal experiences. If you have an iPhone, for example, you can use. Um, your iPhone and that app, and it will actually start to explain to you the exhibits that you're standing in front of, um, which I think is totally cool. You know, uh, Amy and the group over there, you know, are doing really fascinating work about changing the the museum experience. And then if you go look, you know, take a half step back. If you go talk to, you know, uh, the the woman who's running um, LA Phil's technology side, you know, she came out of the music industry. Right. She's doing great work. You go talk to Rich Cherry, who's over at the road, you know, at the road that's yeah. being built. He's doing great work, and as it turns out, LA is this sort of funny little place, which is that it's got not only is it you know the place for art, not only has it got all these great museums like the the Broad being built and LACMA, which I think is the number one or number two art museum in the country right <laughs> now, um, but then you have all these technologists who are doing these really interesting work about changing your experience, the user experience of actually interacting with both the museum and also the art. You know, you go to the Getty. The Getty is a museum, you know, uh, sorry, is a technology company disguised as a museum. <laughs> so, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Says so this from the innovation guy. Thank you. Um, as we start to wind down here, we touched on this a little bit earlier um, as uh, your role as, a, as, a, as an educator. Um, why are, <laughs> do you teach? Why do I teach? Yes. I like it. Um, I like it, and I also think that there's a you know that people are tuned into things that I'm not, and they you know one of the great things about grad students is is that they tell you about things because they're interested, and they're curious, and they they find things that you know frankly I wouldn't have even noticed, uh, uh, or or just you know went by me because I'm busy at work or something like that. So I've had grad students tell me about. Um, you know, platforms and things like, uh, you know, Second Life as an example. Mm-hmm. I first learned about Second Life, not because I was teaching it, but because my grad students were telling me about it. 
<laughs> you know, you're like, what? There's a what? No, I, I did that. You know, I, I run an innovation group at a, at a fairly large marketing agency. And, you know, day one or week one on the job was like, there's a what? Like I felt so because, you know, they're younger. They're in the know. I, you know, I have two kids. I'm yeah, like well, I'm on the couch watching TV. Um, well, easy. We um, I don't feel that old. I do have a little gray peeking out here. Um, <laughs> but it, it is that kind of like, it's an exchange. Like I think people, sometimes the misinterpretation is that teachers are there to like vomit information at you, where really it's, it becomes this exchange. And you're actually teaching more you know, of the principles of creation, I would imagine, with the School of well, Cinematics. Well, you know, so the, um, it's funny, I'm probably the only guy who's taught science and um, digital entertainment and things like that, and the and the thing is, is that teaching, you know, there's a lot of facts out there, um, but I'm not sure that the facts are necessarily the most important thing. It's actually how you interact with things. It's what sure. you do. It's how you pitch. It's how you make something, and and that's actually I think a lot more um, useful. Sure. Than than so many other things. I mean, Wikipedia, near as I can tell, is the go-to place for pretty much every fact that you need on a daily basis, right? Yep. So, okay, that's fine. But how do you do what they're talking about? That's, you know, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's kind of the interesting thing to me. Yeah. Well, my mom used to hide money in our Encyclopedia Britannicas. Yeah. But now she can't do that anymore. Can't, can't hide money in Wikipedia. That's because you tossed out... Oh, no, mind. <laughs> <laughs> no rabbit holes. Um, what the show is called Innovation Crush right? you, yeah. you know that right? um, and what out in the world do you see that you're crushing on you know it could be something involved in your day to day work and personal life it can be something that you just see from afar you're like wow that was awesome well, you're talking to a guy with a broken shoulder so I feel a little um, well med- uh, yeah, medical uh, attention uh, is uh, yeah, there's a little, <laughs> little crush that's happened but no you know I think the um, I think we're in the sort of golden moments if you will of how do we go and um, use data and technology and innovation, all these things, to go and make a better city, right? And we're seeing a ton of interesting stuff. You know, the emergence of Silicon Silicon Beach is great. The um, Tech LA. Tech LA. But if you go downtown, for example, downtown is completely different than what it used to be. Very much so. Um, we have more, you know, more public transportation, more subway lines under construction in LA. In fact, more construction, just period. I know. Anywhere else in the country, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. We all know. <laughs> but the city is changing really, like, almost in front of our eyes, if you will. Yeah. Um, I, when, I, um, when I worked across the street from where we're sitting right now, I did not pass the subway line on La Cienica. Right. You know, on Jefferson to get here. Um, I drove through that intersection for years. And, and I remember coming back and saying, like, Wow. Look at that. There's an expo. It's true. It, I, like, there's certain areas, you know, while I'll, I'll drive through and I'll see something new. Yeah. And for the life of me, I can't remember what was there before. It's like the change it's is so, there. like, apparent. It's, you know, even when Hollywood and Highland was erected. Like, I, you right. know, I, when I first moved to L.A. from Detroit, where we stole the Batmobile, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, <laughs> like, I would always walk down Hollywood Boulevard. And then one day... There was like a giant elephant in the Kodak Theater and, you know, all this stuff was there. And I can't for the life of me remember what was there before. You know, you know. it's funny. I, 
can't remember either. Exactly. But it's, I mean, I think that's kind of what changed. But the, but the annoying thing, you know, one of my favorite quotes is kind of like people don't, it's not that people don't like change, they don't like transition. Right. And yes, the construction is annoying and hard to drive through and so on and so forth. But at the end of it, you'll have something that's super convenient, super awesome, at least hopefully. That's right. Um, last but not least, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is positive change. Nice. I like it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, how can people find you? You mentioned your Twitter handle earlier, or you mentioned yeah. that you were on Twitter. Yeah, I know. But it's a hard one because you have to know a little Italian. Oh. So it's Pietro, P-I-E-T-R-O, Marx, M-A-R-X. Uh, and you can put an at sign in front of it to really make it all help. Or uh, you can find me online simply by typing in my name. Awesome. Um, because... You know, in in the in the land of online, it's stalking is legal. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to hide. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure, Uh, everyone. This has been another great installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it. On the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash Wait for it comedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.